All right, I think we're going. We're going. How do you like that chair? It's all right. It's funny. So this is my first real ergonomic chair right here. That one? Yeah. And this is like a gaming one, right? I know. So I didn't know what ergonomic meant. I just thought it meant like help support the back. And so I want a real ergonomic. You're supposed to like spin this and it's supposed to be integrated into the chair. And I talked to my mentor about it. I'm like, yeah, you got to try this chair. It's so sick. It's better than my other ergonomic. And he's like, send me a picture of your other one. I sent him a picture of that one. And he's like, yeah, I wouldn't have high hopes for an ergonomic chair where the only ergonomics is that pillow behind yeah. you, dude. I took the pillow off. Actually. Oh, okay. I see. That's it good. was like not sitting right, so. Yeah. Wait, so we were talking about content creation, right? <laughs> I want to know what, I want to hear what you're about to say about that. Okay, so what I was just saying to Scott, when it comes to people that are intelligent, so like IQ, so when it comes to those type of people, they're very judgmental of their work, which means they're not going to, they're going to, you know, make some music or they're going to make some videos, whatever, and then they're not going to post it because they're like, oh, you know, it's not how I want it. People that are dumb, air quotes, they are just not going to care and they're just going to post it. Yeah. And then it's done. Yeah. And that reminds me of... um what they said, they said the most intellectual people are the most humble because of what they don't know. Like, for example, someone gets into science and then they realize, um, like, holy shit, there's a lot more to science. Like they start to learn a little bit. And they're like, whoa, I've learned this a little bit. There's so much more. And so they're knowledgeable enough to know how much there isn't. So they know that they can't be cocky or what they know and everything. And uh, people who aren't as intelligent learn a little bit and then think they know it all. So then they have massive confidence in what they're saying. Exactly. I think we know some people like that for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. I think, I think what you've done for sure is, uh, I think you've definitely proven if you don't want to work in a regular job, you can just go out and do it on your own. Like it, it is, it is definitely possible. Sure work. That's all. That's, that's the foundation of most of things for sure. So ex explain what you do. Before you do this, I think yep. there's like a buzzing. Can you hear that? Now I do. Not anymore. Sounds like. Oh, wait. There we go. Yeah, that's my cloud lifter. Oh. Yeah, the cloud lifter, it essentially brings the noise um, gate down, but amplifies it. If that makes sense. So your vocal's louder. But it kind of brings all the the humming down too. So it, it that's why like, when we're talking, it's a powerful vocal. Powerful vocal. That's what you need. Powerful vocal. So you started in books, right? Amazon right. guy. So yes, Amazon FBA. So at like the same time, me and Scott or Scott and I, we were um, looking into the the Shopify. This was when like Scott had launched his first thing. We kind of did it at the same time. I went to the more FBA route because I found books. And um, so obviously you guys follow Scott, you know what happened with him. With me, I was looking for a more cost-effective solution. And where were you working at the time? So when I first started, I don't know if I, I was working that, remember I told you about that sketchy job? Which one? The one that was, that I only worked for like two weeks because all the people were, they didn't look healthy. No, no, tell me about that. <laughs> I, worked, <laughs> I worked for this company. It's a very, very pop or not popular, but very powerful company. They have a lot of products that they sell, household cleaning products, that kind of stuff. So I got this job working at their factory up north. 
pay was great, straight cash. Um, I noticed after working there for like a week that all the people that worked there just didn't seem right. Something about them just did not seem right. The work conditions were definitely subpar. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same place that Jacob got a job because Jacob got a job for a little through the pandemic. Hmm. I'm going to have him on here and talk about that. But he said that he got this job and the Craigslist like job posting, it said <laughs> the the title, you know, that you get the title and then the description, the title said no drug, re- no drug test required <laughs> job. And he said the same thing. He said in the orientation, 10 minutes into his first orientation, uh, two guys got in a, in a fight or something. They started fighting each other. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was like a, I was hired as like a sub, sub, sub contractor for this company to do like a cleaning crew type. Oh, thing. I remember this with yeah. the chemicals. Yes. Yeah. So you were like cleaning up chemicals. Yes. Damn. That was a long time ago. Yes, it was. I only did that job for two weeks. But that was, be- that was like before you started all the Amazon stuff, Correct. right? I was working as a server though. Next after that. That's right. We're at um, Chevy's Mexican restaurant. Classic you Chevy's. You visited the one time. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So well, actually, I was in school at this point. So right before I started working as a server, still in school, found the books, very low cost to entry. So with Amazon FBA, most people see the private label where you have to spend thousands of dollars to get your product from China, to do the marketing, to do the packaging, to, to put it on Amazon and maybe have it work. Right. This is a model of retail arbitrage, which is you're finding a, um, a buying opportunity, a gap in what it's selling for on Amazon and what you're buying it for. Right. So books are like the most unique product because there's so many different types of books. There's so many different titles. There's like 63 million on Amazon, something like that. And is so when you start Amazon, is books the only category you can sell in or it's like the easiest one to sell in? So yeah, books is like one of the handful that out of the gate, every Amazon seller can sell like books. Right. With you know, there's an exception, a couple of textbooks here and there you can't sell. Um, there's other ways you can monetize the textbooks. Um, but yeah, that is, it's such a low cost to entry right there. Cause the books at just like a Goodwill or regular thrift store, it's only going to be a couple bucks a piece. Yeah. And you know, not every book is like this, but there's some books that sell for 50, 60, a hundred. I've sold a book I think the most I've sold the book for was two hundred dollars. It was about bass fishing, and you got it for like forty, right? I got it for a quarter. Oh, whoa! What is it? What kind of return is that? It's four, four. That's an eight hundred percent return. I don't know about the percentage, but <laughs> it was definitely a nice little grab. It definitely. So, wait, did you like? Did you like find a course or anything on this, or no. did you just so, do it grassroots? So, there's this guy. Um, who has created one of the most popular book scanning apps. His name is Caleb Roth, the book flipper. Um, and so he had this video and it was like the 100 book challenge or something like that. And it was a goal to, or like a, a challenge with him and some other people to try to find 100 books a day for like a month or something like oh that. Oh my God. And so they did that and it was kind of like a promo piece for this uh, scan app, Scout IQ. And um, at the time I'd seen the video and I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Nobody thinks books are, you know, worth anything. And so I was like, no one's making money off books. So this was like 
two to four months and after except watching. the colleges the colleges are making boatloads on the book correct <laughs> and, and you can make a lot of money just selling textbooks there's people that do just textbooks yeah it's it's you know good business model yeah but um yeah so it just you can only watch so many youtube videos you can only consume so much content on how to do something but nothing happens until you actually go there and do it yeah and I remember most vividly the first time I went there and I did it and I bought these books and I have a video of myself after I was like sick at the time. So I'm like pre-COVID, pre-COVID. Um, I was like, yeah, I got these books. I got them for a dollar. I'm going to sell them for five bucks. I'm going to break even. All the books that I bought, I lost money on. <laughs> really? Yes. You got to each for a dollar? On average, like a dollar, dollar and a half. And you ended up selling them? Yes. I mean, over the course of time, not right away, but like. Though books that I did sell, those first books all lost me money. Yeah. Just because I didn't know what I was doing. And that's just going to happen. You're going to lose a little money here and there. Just it's called a loss and or a lesson. When was the time frame on this? Like, like right when you started. So you're starting while you're working at Chevy's, right? Or did you just quit Chevy's and go balls? No, deep? I was, I was not working at Chevy's quite yet. I was still a student. It was oh, my last okay semester at college gotcha okay so it's 2018 correct it was uh, april 2018 gotcha so about two years and some months okay so you started doing that and then you got the job at chevy's and you're still doing it right yes and at this point i'm you know i'm kind of doing it more you know just kind of making it work i was i got the serving job as just kind of a way to make some money i was trying to find a job in my career path, which was network engineering. So I was going to school to do like IT stuff. And I, I got to the realization while I'm looking for, you know, this network engineering job while I'm working at Chevy's and while I'm also going and doing the books a couple of days a week, I was like, wow, there's a p huge potential to make way more money. Yeah. On your own time. On my own time and not have to you know, kind of be capped at whatever the pay would be. I think network engineering was like a pretty good one. So like 60 to 80,000 a year. Yeah. Um, and so I just decided, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go all the way in. And I actually had worked at Red Lobster after that. Gotcha. Shout out the, the Cheddar Bay Biscuit. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when did, when was like that? The, the, like, cause I remember my first day when I realized I never had to work for anybody ever again. You know, when was that for you? And did, what, was it that day that you quit the Red Lobster? And did you no. make it longer than the chemical cleanup facility? At Red Lobster? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I worked there for three to four months. I had switched jobs because I wanted to, in hope, make more money working at, like, a higher class restaurant. Didn't pan out as I had planned. Yeah. And I got to the point where I was like, you know, if I put – the amount of time and energy into the serving as I was, or as I could into like books, finding books and that kind of stuff. Sky's the limit. Yeah, easily. And two weeks later, I was doing just that. Wow. And how was it training through Darden? Because I went, remember when, I don't know if I we even knew each other when I worked at Olive Garden. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. I think so. I was 16. I don't know. I got an interesting story I'll, I'll share on the podcast about us meeting, actually. What? The first time we can come back to the FBA <laughs> new story real quick. So, um, when was this? Uh, I was going to be a freshman. Scott's one year older than me. 
Oh, um, that's right. I was going to be a freshman. I was like being a freshman, first day of school. Well, actually, back up. Summer before freshman year, my friend David showed me this guy on YouTube that he went to school with or something like that. And because I was making YouTube videos at the time, and he's like, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, he's making a, he's got a bunch of YouTube videos. He's got almost 100 subscribers. I was like, damn, that's awesome. And the video I saw was <laughs> you eating uh, flaming Hot Wings from Buffalo Wild Wings, like the blazing, no water. Yeah. He ate them all with no water. It's a it's a classic video. You remember the start of that video, the first bite? Uh, one of the tendons slingshotted yes. some blazing right yes. into my pupil. The whole time, Scott's like, my eyes are still <laughs> just bashing up. No, the no water. No one, re- everyone else is in extreme pain. Yeah, I remember that. That We made that video 2012. That was the first month after I moved to Limburg. And... So I go to school. This is like the first, it was either the first day or the second day because it was like the block scheduling, I don't remember. Go to gym class and I see this kid sitting there. I'm like, oh, wow, that's the kid <laughs> of the video that I was just watching. And I was like, Scott, I, was, I, I said something to you and I was like, I think I said that, you know, I knew what your YouTube name was at the time, I won't say. Yeah. And you're like looking at me so confused. You didn't know who, I didn't know who you, we didn't know each other. I was like, yeah, I saw your video, and you're like, oh, wow, and you're just so thrilled. I was yeah. like, history, boom. Yeah, it was, it's crazy back then because YouTube, it's like, we, it's, it's weird looking at those videos because we were so ahead of the curve, like drawing the mustache on John. Like, that was a vlog and a half right there, and people were not vlogging. I made that video in 2009, actually, and that was a straight vlog, and I – it's like nobody knew the future. So like, I didn't think people actually got recognized off YouTube or anything. It's something I've always wanted to do and something I do now, luckily. But uh, I know you had a viral video go pretty crazy too. You've, you have, you technically you have way more views than me because I think total on YouTube, I have like three and a half million. Yeah. And your one video, it got like four. Six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah. And then you made the sequel, which got a couple million. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. That's what I like to call accidental virality. Yeah. So weird that this happened. It was like, if we want to go into the story. Definitely. So <laughs> I've like always been, um, or at this time period, always like making videos. Like I was, I had my YouTube channel and then at the parallel, you were doing your YouTube stuff too. Just making just dumb videos. Just, you know, just making videos. That's all it is. And I was really like hooked on the, um, who was that one like rage kid? There was a one he like shoved the remote up his butt. Oh, I just posted that. Yeah, photo. I know. Greatest freak out ever. Waffle Pwn. Yeah. So I was like, this dude, you know, he's got so many views. There's no no thought of money at this time at all. Just <laughs> we're just making Definitely. videos. Didn't even know you. Well, I, I, it doesn't matter. The the, um, the, the monetary uh, re- reception that you get is the laughs, like showing yeah. your friends and their laugh. That's all. That the money, it money would, from YouTube. What do you mean? <laughs> So I was just like hooked on these like I knew that they were fake, but it was like the rage reaction videos. And so my cousin and I, we made this. Um, if you look it up on YouTube, it's called "Kid Destroys Xbox 360 Over Black Ops." And in this video, we destroyed. It was the outer shell of an Xbox. If you guys didn't know it, this is a fake video. Um, yeah, we destroyed it, the shell of it. I just threw it. This is 2009, very long time ago, might I add. And November, that's when we made it. So then, when was it? 
was it uh, May? Maybe May. It was like around that time period. My cousin had said something about, hey, like look at the YouTube video, like because he had uploaded on his his channel too. It's like right. look at the views that it's getting, and it was like my the, my videos. I didn't have a hundred subscribers. I didn't have like anything. They were getting like 10, 20, 30 video, you know, views. It had like ten thousand views. Wow. And I'm like, whoa, like what the heck? And then like a couple of days later, it was at like forty thousand views, and then like sixty, and then like and it was like snowballing so weirdly. And you're like. 11 or 12 at the time. I right? was, no, this was before going into um, freshman year. 13, 14 then? 14, yes. 14. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, like this is crazy. And so then it started to pop and I got on the monetization thing like right before school started. And at this point I didn't know, like obviously I told my parents about this and they're like, oh no, you can't make money on YouTube. Of course. There's no way. And then, like, I signed up for it, and I didn't have any of, like, the tax situation. I did. The taxes are all paid. Don't worry. But, um, at, you know, you can sign up for it and get set up before you actually get your payments and have to pay anything right. on it. I was getting these huge checks of, like, two, three hundred dollars at a time, like, every two weeks or something. Oh, and I'm my like, God. I showed my parents, and they're like, they, did ha they had no idea what was going on. Like, they didn't know that this was, like, real. Eventually they found out, but like, did they want to shut it down? Shout out Mikey Cast's parents. No, no. But I was like, I started going into school, and literally all I was doing in school during like my learning time, I there was like a block where you had like free time. I would just look at the YouTube monetization metrics. I would just refresh it all yeah. and just see. I'm like, I'm making. I'm just sitting here, 14 years old, making a bunch of money, and. I'd feel like I didn't do anything. You know, I just made a video. Yeah. And weird. So weird to me. I, I wonder if that that implanted something in 100%. your brain. That, yeah. A million. I yep. think about that all the time. Because at that point, because then I was like, dude, I'm going to buy this GoPro 3, the GoPro Hero 3. Oh, yeah. I bought it and I was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a job. I got it from YouTube and I used it to make YouTube videos. Yeah. Cool little thing. So hundred percent like when I saw that first dollar yeah though when I got my first check from YouTube it was let's see I think nine years after I created it so it took nine years to make one hundred dollars and then yeah, that was the threshold with that one hundred dollars I bought a watch and then that's when I wrote my first rap remember that one when I was like motivation on my wrist where my watch sits attaining all the shit resistant to the Glock clips and then that really showed me it's like I remember when I bought that, I made a post on Instagram too. This is when I had like a hundred followers. Over. I'm like, motivation on my wrist where my wa watch sits. It's like, they really show to me that I can make money doing what I love to do. And that's making YouTube videos. And so that implanted something, circling it all the way back. You're at Red Lobster and you're thinking about that video that went viral. And you're like, I've been working on, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. Do you remember the day you quit? I, it was either the day I quit or like the day after I like came over here. That was when uh, Jacob also quit his job at Boeing, and he's telling us about that oh. crazy story. Remember? Oh, it was that same day? I don't. I don't know if it was the same day. It might have been the day after. Around that time. Close. Though. I remember it was very close. So this was like January 2019. No, it was May. May 2019, or 20. Yes. Okay. May 2019. That makes sense because I didn't. I didn't start hanging out with him till January, February. Yeah, so after you did that, what happened? 
I mean, it's it's still happening. Like I'm just, you know, plugging away. I'm basically growing this business. Right. So well, it's happening. on your personal side of things, it's Monetary Ocean. Yes, at Monetary Ocean. What made you choose that? I Because I, I remember we talked about this, too. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. You might want to go with your name. And I just like, I really like that idea, like the Monetary Ocean. The ocean is the internet. Yeah. The ability to literally, like, create money. Like, the, the internet provides the opportunity to, if you have this, if you have one of these, you can make money on the internet. For those of you who are just listening, oh, yeah. he's holding up a gun right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. If you have this, you can make as much Dude. money as you want. Hey, during the riots, it did make me a bunch yeah. of money. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of something Grant Cardone said. He's like, uh, you guys think money's lit? <laughs> You guys think money's limited? You guys think money? I'll tell you what money is. You go to the ocean with a bucket, and you you just put that bucket in the ocean. You got a bale of water. Hey, you can dump that somewhere else. You can just come back. Look at the ocean, man. Look at the ocean, man. There's tons of it. You just keep going. That's what money is. It's true. So I could see two analogies for your name. Steve, my guy is Steve Mnuchin. This guy's a beast. He just printed, what, one point some trillion dollars? Who? Steve Mnuchin. Oh, I thought that was j Powell doing that. Yeah, they're they're shaking hands. Yeah, at the same time. They said in the past three months the inflation on the U.S. dollar I think is either three or five percent. Yeah, so, I believe it. So that that makes sense why the stock market keeps going up because it's a way to um, counteract inflation. I believe it. Yeah. So you got monetary ocean with the name like that. I could see it being uh, expanded into like a. Sort of like website, not similar to Motley Fool, but not obviously to stocks. Do you ever like look towards going that route? So yeah, my when I first had the idea, I didn't want to have like the personal brand, like the where it's just me. I would like to have something that I can contribute to, and then also have other people contribute to it, and kind of have like a community of sorts that is people making money online, AKA the monetary ocean. Yeah. Something along those lines. And we're still working towards that. Um, but that's just kind of, that was the, that's the big goal. Gotcha. And you're still doing YouTube still? Yes. How is that going? It's going all right. I haven't posted too much recently, unfortunately, but I do have a lot of, a lot of faith in, in YouTube as I've always have. Right. I'm telling you, know? you uh, do you know Jamie Ibanez at all? I just discovered this oh, guy. The the kid, kind of. Or it, he is the guy. He runs. He does ATMs, but he mainly does something very niche, which is um, like I forget. I'm blanking on the name from. Fucking has candy, water, vending machine. Vending, he does all vending machines. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about Jamie is he does all of his videos pure. Like most most of them have. Sprinkles of education, but pure vlogs of him going to the machines, Working, getting the yeah, money out, replacing them. Yeah, I've never seen a, any, anyone do that before. And I think you doing that, I mean, it's just crazy. It's like we were talking about at the beginning of this. It's like, the, well, the name of the game, honestly, is consistency in content, for yes. sure. If you're consistent in content, it's hard to fail, unless it's like you see a lot of these like old older people hear this, and then 
they just make the most boring videos over and over and over again. It's got to be. It has to have some uniqueness. Yeah. The consistency brings them in, but the quality keeps them. Yes. That's the most important. And you know what else has to do instead of with uniqueness, personality. A lot of people are very afraid because they think it's not uh it's not business like to include that much personality and all this and how people they I mean maybe that was the case in the fifties when you're trying to work up the ladder, but in the in YouTube you just gotta think of the platform you're on. This isn't LinkedIn. You're going after YouTube and the, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, because um, I told you about those two people were pissed at me for making the vlogs. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they were both like 40 or 50. But if I keep making these vlogs, I'm not really speaking to the people who are going to die in 20, 30 years. I'm speaking to the people my age and below me who are going to understand and gravitate towards this. It's like the Gary V thing where he's like, I'm on TikTok. And a lot of these kids probably aren't even old enough to make a business or even start an LLC. But I know in 20 years... When they will. They, they will, and they're going to remember these videos. And it's like, mm-hmm. I really like the way he does that. Smart. Yeah. What do you think of Gary Vee? Did you, oh my God, did you see his fucking, um, he, he, he did one of those flashback videos where he like said something he was saying in 2016, he was showing these basketball cards. Do you do any basketball card flipping? I don't sell individual cards, but I do sell, I sell the packs. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah, he was saying everybody right now should go buy this card. It's going to go up. And at the time he showed it, it was like Luca. Luca. Oh, what? Really? Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it was so. that one. It went from 220 to like 850 in two years. I believe it. My uh, my boy, Gary Jones, you know him, right? Mm-hmm. He said that he spent 35000 on cards. And right now they're appraised at $900,000. It's here's what it is. Well, I mean, now sports are back, but people lost their sports and people Ooh. love gambling. Yeah. Cards are gambling. That's a good point, actually. If you're hunt, if you're ripping packs and you're looking for cards, gambling, people make, you can make great investments. Like, you know, most people think investing, they think of stocks or like gold or Bitcoin, whatever. People, you can invest in a lot of weird little things, cards, yeah, Legos. Uh, old old toys, you even can car parts. Car parts. You can invest in a lot of things. Yeah, with crazy returns. Mm-hmm. It's so funny to me that these big stock um, like management companies, they're thrilled if they get an eight percent a year return. It's weird. It's because it's like just what we saw right there. That's a two. I think that's a three hundred percent return in two years, outperforming the stock market, outperforming these firms and these. ETFs, VTIs, STDs, and all this shit, you know. I'm <laughs> but it comes also down to the consistency of the return. Like, yeah, he right. can sell that, realize the gains, but then, like, he doesn't have the cards anymore, and he can't get them at that low price again. Yeah. So it's a one-time deal. Yeah. But I, that doesn't, you know, you're still going to make the gains right. regardless. For, 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 like, retirement purposes and safety purposes, that's a yeah. whole different thing. Yeah. I, I remember... Uh, my mentor showed me some like he's like because I'm obviously doing options trading, but I'm also we we have this catchphrase he came up with. It's called a uh, consistent long trading for consistent uh, consistent short term trading for consistent long term trading. So we do short term with the options like we're pulling out thirty. So I pulled out one the other day five hundred percent in like four hours. And it's just like crazy to see that. So basically, you take like an account of ten thousand, you scale up to a hundred thousand, you take that hundred thousand. And then there's literally two indicators we work with. 
where when they cross, you buy. When they cross again, you sell. Like when the blue's over the red or whatever. And I was like skeptical at first. And he's like, all right, here, do this. Look at Facebook stock and see how much your percentage gain would be over one year. And I did it. And at the time, this is like when after it crashed, so it was like 175. So I was like, well, over one year, I think it was 8% gain or something crazy low like that. He's like, all right, not bad. Now look at the year, put in the moving averages, and then do the math where if we bought and then sold at every every indicator, yeah. 85% for the year. And it, it's that simple. It's that simple. So I like I just started my SEP IRA, so I'm invested in the VTIs, mm-hmm. our VTI. So I can understand that for a long term, like 50 oh, yeah. years down the line. But for like these kids, I don't know. The stocks is a whole different fucking beast. If if anyone's listening to this or watching this and they're not invested in any stocks or maybe they're not old enough to be invested into anything, get yourself situated or talk to people that are smart with money about a Roth IRA. Yeah. If you're young, if you're 18 or under, get to know what this is. And when you're old enough, start putting money into it because time will compound that money beyond anything that you could put into it. See, I talked, essentially. I talked to my financial advisor and he recommended a SEP IRA because apparently SEP IRAs are tax deductible while Roth IRAs are, it's a different coding. I don't know. I don't even want to go. This is not financial advice. Yeah, I don't even want to go down that road because yes. I'm already saying I don't know halfway into my first sentence. But anyway, you got a storage unit recently, right? Correct. How's that been going? It's been going for sure. Um, you know, it's because you're doing everything out of like a room in your apartment, right? So yeah, I have a business partner. Um, We have kind of a split up between, or I I do a lot of eBay stuff too. So I'll keep, I would keep the eBay stuff and like the merchant fulfill Amazon stuff at the apartment. And then his house would be more for the FBA stuff. So I would get stuff to him that's FBA, do the shipments over there. Oh, you mean like shipments to Amazon? Correct. Gotcha, okay. I was handling the more uh, customer. Okay orders gotcha um we got a lot of stuff that's all i gotta say how many items do you have right now for sale listed oh on on ebay amazon everywhere if you had to guess okay for sure on amazon it's just a tiny bit under four thousand. Oh, whoa yeah. <laughs> so that's just on amazon correct so then ebay is <laughs> another like two or three hundred something like that wow so you prefer amazon over ebay it's I mean, if you want to take the merchant fulfill out of the equation, there are, there's a handful of merchant fulfill in there too, in the 4,000. It's, I hate to say it, but it's passive. Essentially, you put the work in up front. That's why it's not really passive. But then like, if I were to be 100% FBA, send in all my stuff FBA, I could then go anywhere I wanted. And every two weeks, Amazon's going to pay me. As long, you know, obviously I'm picking good stuff. I'm buying... Right, but they'll take like 20%, research. right? 40. 40%. More or less 40. But I'm always, you know, you, there's ways to, you, you figure out what the right buy cost is. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm losing money because of the 40%. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bezos, do you see what he announced today? Mm. Ooh, it's big. I can't believe he even said this, dude. He said, based on the riots and the COVID, I like how he threw the COVID in there too. Um, he's thinking about moving Amazon out of Seattle. 
which is nuts. Yeah. They they built Seattle. I went. Have I you know. been to Seattle? No, not yet. Dude, you walk there and it's nine square blocks. I think it's even bigger, and it's only Amazon massive skyscrapers, the big domes and everything. He built Seattle. Seattle built. I mean, Seattle was like an okay town. Then Amazon came and it just like flourished. If he goes to Austin, I think it might be time for me to go to Austin too because you got Tesla going to Austin, Joe Rogan's going to Austin. I talked to three people this week who are living in LA, all moving to Austin. Austin's gonna be massive. I know it's gonna be Why like Austin. Why not anywhere? I mean, well, Dallas or whatever. Well, okay, so Austin has always been known for the most progressive place in Texas, which means progressive in film, progressive in music, hmm. progressive in art. That's the by far the most progressive city. Okay. So that's why like all these people are attracted to it. It's because it's not you're not gonna go to like Dallas where like, you know, uh, Mark Cuban's there and it's just like, you know, established, established. like Austin's, it seems like it's kind of came out of nowhere like 10 years ago. You didn't hear about much about Austin, but I think the big poll, especially people in California, they're raising the state taxes 17 and a half percent, max exodus all the way. Texas is super appealing because it's warm all year. It can get fucking hot out here. Sweet. It's Texas. Exactly. And the best thing is no state income tax. It's just like Grant Cardone said, hey, and I don't like Grant Cardone too much with based on his the response clown. to the coronavirus, but I really like what he said in an interview with NBC. They're like, so Grant, why did you move? Like, so Grant, can you say that you like, you like Florida better than California? And he goes, oh, I like Florida a lot better than California. 11 and a half percent more, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, for sure. Cause it, that, that adds up. If you're making a hundred million. The law of large numbers is a dude, thing. That's a lot of money. Oh my gosh. And I can't like right now I know to live in Beverly Hills. Cause if you live in, in LA, it's like you pay township percentages too. I, I think to live in Beverly Hills, you pay like four or 5% extra on top of that. And I think you actually pay some to LA and then you pay some to California and then you pay some to the federal state. And I think Just people, their money. they've been pushed for a while. And I think this took uh, it, this is what knocked it over and be like, I'm not paying an extra 5%. Like the, the market's obviously in a bubble. They're going to sell their house right now. When everyone moves out, that's going to crash. And then I might buy a house out there. Fuck it. I'll give me that 17 and a half percent. Hey, it's, you know, I've been thinking about, or not Austin specifically, but Texas as a, as a whole, like to, have a main residence there. I've, I've been thinking the exact same thing, especially since you can pretty much guarantee that house, your house is going to go up in value. Even if it there. doesn't, like I'm someone who likes to have, you know, some space. So like the city, you know, I, I'm, I like the city kind of vibe, but also I like to have a nice little property. Texas is the perfect opportunity for yeah. land ownership because there's so much of it. Much. Do you know what, like, geographically where the ocean is from Dallas? On, like, the right or the east side? Uh, yeah. The Gulf or whatever? No. It can't be too far away. I mean, it's, everything's a, everything's a car ride away. In Texas? Yeah. Texas is a massive fucking state. The whole country. You can drive your car wherever you want, dude. Oh, okay, yeah. I feel you. So what are your plans coming up? What are your plans for, for monetary ocean? Like big plans, like what are you working on now? Because I know something I've been learning from you is the ungated, ungatedness property of Amazon and how like, I can't say exactly who, but I'm, I think I told you this, 
there's a certain oh, person yes, yes. that I know who knows other certain person who did extremely well on Amazon and a large portion of that success is contributed to it because he was one of four people to get unbarred from sex toys. And once you become one of those four people, it's like a monopoly. It's so weird how it's like it's some it can be sometimes random, right? So I wouldn't say random for specific brands or specific categories. It's it's a lot of red tape and knowing the right people, essentially. Um, if you're able to have a wholesaler dis distributor that is able to get you ungated with Amazon and become one of those four people, I mean, they're not, those companies are not looking to give out the, the ungating yeah. to sellers. So you, there must have been some sort of a value transaction of the person that you know to get ungated the story i heard is he woke up one day and he randomly had it <laughs> this was in 20 2016 though. okay yeah back, back then it was easier i don't know this because i wasn't selling on amazon but from what i've heard ungating back then was very simple and they've since increased gate barriers to entry so, so i guess my question is how come the wholesalers just wouldn't list it themselves um it just depends. They might have contracts where they're selling it to stores and oh. they don't want to mess with the online arm. Yeah. And so sometimes a wholesaler, like an Amazon seller like myself, could come to this wholesaler and say, hey, I will be your e-commerce seller. Yeah. You give me the, your products at whatever discussed price and then the rest happens. Yeah. Sell it, you know. I saw somewhere, I think Amazon's doing like, well, I guess this is old numbers, but Amazon's doing like 20 billion a month. I don't know the numbers, but I, I could believe that. It's I, I think it is about 20 billion a month. So when I heard that, I was thinking about like me looking at like my Shopify stats and being like, holy shit, 100,000 this month, yes. And then looking at other people's Shopify stats and being like, oh my God, a million in a day? Like, um, oh God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, oh my gosh, how can I blank on his name? I told you about him. Uh, he works for Grant Cardone. I met him at Ty Lopez's, and he said he did a million in a day on a salad chopper. <laughs> yeah, through Facebook. Because here's the thing. It was right before Facebook launched Facebook parties. So it's like where um, it's like a page can go, like have a live video playing. So they tested it on his, and he had all these viral pages. And to to have them test it, they gave him 100% reach to their entire platform. <laughs> so he said he was like he had like 10 or 15 pages with millions and millions of followers each and every oh single gosh. one guaranteed Converted. saw that ad. Yeah, there a lot of conversions. And if you guys heard what he said, he said a salad chopper. A salad chopper, probably from AliExpress for like a, a dollar maybe. Yeah. Someone who does who has a high IQ would say, "Who would buy a salad chopper?" Right. And they wouldn't pursue it. But someone who's quote dumb yeah. Or, you know, they're going to be like, the numbers say people want salad choppers. Yeah. <laughs> Get the salad choppers it's going. It's just like all those people would be like, well, if it actually worked, why wouldn't everyone do it? It's because 80% or way more than that, 95% people ask that same question than themselves, and then they have an excuse not to try something new. It's pretty crazy. And it's like, who would have ever thought the fidget spinner would have pulled in the money it did? I, I had an opportunity... When I went to New York with Tanner, he was buddies with the guy who, who basically started it. Did mm -hmm. I tell you that story? He did, yeah. And how he was 3D printing them in his basement, and then he got 
contracts with Walmart and he's like 17. It was, it's just like crazy. There's so much opportunity out there and people just tell themselves the same old story that probably their parents told them or like, I hate to use this word, but the media, what the media told them would work and what wouldn't, I don't know. It's just worth trying. Yeah. What, what happens if you fail? Like I, I know some money. I know a lot of people who make TikToks, hundreds of TikToks, has never posted one. Makes tons of YouTube videos, never posted one. It's the same ideology behind this. It's all these people who like I like what Gary Vee says when he's like, if another fucking person tells me they had the idea for Uber before Uber, I'm gonna fucking I forget what he said, but it's just like so many people I, I someone said that to me the other day. They're like, I had that idea for Uber way before uber cool and then it passed right through your brain as you were scrolling exactly some people even think they want they should have compensation what about this lady oh my god you see this lady ip trolls what ip trolls uh intellectual property trolls that's like a different oh okay yeah well you see that lady and i think it was california where the barista at what was that called starbucks he, he's like, I can't serve you until you put a mask on. So she whipped out her camera, one of those cringy people, and started videotaping. I'm like, he will not serve me uh, without a mask on. He's like, yep, that's right, and all this. And then she posted it, and obviously she did not get the response she wanted no. to. But she got – that kid ended up getting $100,000 from a GoFundMe for his college because he was, he was he's like, I'm just working here to pay off college. Yeah, I had to go to college, and she was, like, talking shit on that. And so after he, that happened, she started contacting the, these news networks saying, I demand I get half of that money because that was my video. I contributed to this. It's like, no. Dude, these, these, these people who scream at workers for, as if it's their policy, it's, it's hilarious. Have you seen any of this happen I like seen, in person? Um, not in person, thankfully, because I'm just like, you know, you can say well, you can Bring whatever political spin you want to put on the mask. Whatever. It, it comes down to this. Being sick is not fun. Yeah. Regardless of whatever the sickness is. If you had a Unless way to prevent. Sick bars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you had a way to prevent said sickness and prevent you from spreading said sickness, wouldn't you kind of want to not get sick? Yeah, essentially, I don't I don't well, like getting sick at all. Even beyond that, you just be mad at the government for mandating these businesses who mandate the mask. Don't be yeah. mad at this fucking employee. This kid, yeah, right here. That room. Dude, it's easier. When, when me and Tristan were going to Colorado, we stopped at this gas station to get some food. And I was like, oh, that looks like a cool chicken place because it was, it was like a McDonald's right here, uh, a gas station right here and then a chicken place right here. And this is we're two months into covid. So it's obviously going so I go up to the handle, as I always, I don't know if you noticed this, before yeah, COVID, before COVID, I'm always opening the door with my shirt because I'm not going to touch a handle that plenty of people have touched. And I do that. I open the door like this, and this lady from behind the chicken thing, above the cho- open chicken with the mask under her, her mouth goes, you know that's not going to help, right? <laughs> Dude, I just wanted to, I didn't hear, I didn't know she said that until Tristan told me later, and I would just been like, Oh, so all of a sudden not touching this handle is going to make prevent me from getting the flu. It's not going to be like the flu still transfers touch to touch. It's not like I'm I'm just concerned about one illness. I've been doing this my whole life. It's just yeah. the fact that this lady who I was about to order food from pulls her mask down to tell me this while she's spitting all over the chicken. It's hilarious. It's a weird time 
we're living in i know it's like a wonder what do you think the history books are going to say about all this because that's ah that's going to be really it will be one for the history books that's for sure yeah we'll have to see i'm interested 20 years from now what is said about this time yeah because it's i'm very very interested to see how the election pans out not because i i don't really care about politics and that kind of yeah. stuff i'm very uh concerned about the usps united states oh Postal yeah. service yeah I especially think, for your business so i guess for all businesses it doesn't even matter like you know people will say oh yeah you just won't be able to make as much money no when you order amazon has trained americans two days yeah everyone is trained and they, I they need it in two days they can't even days. fulfill that anymore it's not possible people <laughs> this will cause serious delays especially uh christmas time oh, everyone yeah. knows what day christmas is on it's on the 25th every single year oh really oh yeah uh-huh so <laughs> when do people the majority of americans buy their christmas presents one week before christmas not a majority but you know if everyone knows the people that buys their Christmas presents right before Christmas. Yep. You're not getting those presents until January. Sorry. It's not happening. I don't know. It, and it's a shame that the when the virus started, I really thought that like this is going to be the one thing that we're all going to unite under or whatever. And then it became political. And it's like to even talk about the virus now, people will start assuming what political stance you are on just because of your opinions. And I've always said this, it's like quit choosing a political party, start choosing policies that you believe in. Exactly. And like, it's crazy to me because I saw the development happen live in people. Like, you know me, I was very for the, the shutdown at the beginning. I'm like, we need to shut down everything. We need contains, whatever. And now I'm getting a little more lighter on that. I'm like, we can't really destroy the whole fucking, our whole nation because of this. So it's like, it's, I saw people literally transform there was like one or two weeks when it became political and people transformed their complete, complete uh, views because their political party was telling them what they should feel. So all their friends who were in that political party started feeling some way. So they felt they said, it's like, just choose things you believe in. Who cares about the political party? It's like, I believe a lot of things the Republicans uh, believe in. And I believe a lot of things the, the Democrats believe in. And I disagree with a lot of them on both, a lot of things. Exactly. So it's like, why the fuck? It's two wings of the same bird, so to speak. Not flying anywhere too fast. You're not gonna fly anywhere? No, it, the bird with two wings. Oh. Are, it's not flying anywhere. Too, we're not doing too good right now. When do you think you're gonna get on your next plane? I don't know. I mean, I'm not anti, but my girlfriend was just on a plane recently, so yeah. it was by, um, she said it was it was not what she was hoping it would be. For sure. Well, what was she hoping it would be? She, a little can't. bit more space between the people. And oh, the seats. okay. I see. But it is what it is, I guess. Um, I prefer driving, though. Yeah, it's so much better. Because of the sourcing aspect. I can find products. Oh, that too, yeah. I just prefer driving, especially now that I don't really have to drive. Mm-hmm. But you really start to understand the landscape and the where you're going. It's like correct. I flew to Wyoming, and we got there, and I drove like six hours to Kalispell, Montana, or whatever. No, not Kalispell, Wyoming. But I thought think to drive there, I would have gotten a much deeper understanding of the actual state because you're seeing the development, you're Everything, seeing the mountains, yeah. plane rides. It's like you you pass out and then you get there. Yeah, 
and for me too, I spent a lot of a lot of miles driving around. It's almost like the best time for me at least to think. Yeah. Especially if you're on, if you're in the car on the road for hours, potentially days, you are going to you're going to be up here a lot. You're going to be in your head a lot. You listen to podcasts while you're driving around? Um yeah. I mean, it just depends the kind of mood I'm in. I switch between different things. Sometimes it'll be a little bit music or like um a podcast or an audiobook. What's the main one? What? What what besides the my podcast? The Simplified Podcast. What other podcasts do you listen to? The best, in my opinion, the best like business-related podcast is called Business Wars. By who? Uh, Wondery. Oh, I, th- I was hoping you were going to say Alex Jones. No, Alex no. Jones has an inf- uh, a business podcast. <laughs> it's super. You learn so much about these companies. They put two companies head-to-head, and it's like a five-part series um, where they kind of go back and forth during – a period of time. So there's one on Coke versus Pepsi, Boeing versus Airbus. Um, Harley, the one I re- listened to recently, Harley Davidson versus there's Harley Davidson and the bike wars. Cause there's a bunch of different bike companies. Um, dating apps. There's one re- oh, going yeah. on right now about Tinder and uh, eHarmony and all that interesting stuff. eHarmony dropped the ball, dude. They uh, talk about oh that a my lot. Gosh. There's so much, you're like, wow. And then you're like, especially if it's things that are happening in your lifetime, you're like, I remember when that happened. Yeah. Like, I, get, I think we're very lucky to be the last generation that remembers the time before the internet. Like, do you, like, when did you get your first computer with the internet? When I got my first, when I used the internet for the first time, it was horrible. It was dial up and it was, um, We got broadband internet in fifth grade. So up until fifth grade, I had. Oh, damn. Oh, okay. So I had dial up. So I didn't have the internet until the dial or the broadband. And then that was Club Penguin. And that was RuneScape time. When when was when? Fifth grade. So before that, when did you get like that internet into your house? I would, I would say that it was then because before that we didn't, didn't even use the internet. But you had it? Technically, like it was on it was on dial up, but I didn't. No one ever taught me how to use oh, okay. the internet or yeah. how to do any of that stuff. We had the AOL discs and stuff, but we didn't mess with the internet too much. I, I, we got ours in two thousand. It was one of those big ones. Oh um, yeah, it was big computers for a while. I'll never forget this because I was in kindergarten class, and I really liked this one girl. I really liked this one girl in kindergarten. So when we got the internet. One of the first things I did was go to boobs.com <laughs> and I saw a bunch of boobs. It freaked me the fuck out. I'm like, I can't, I can't be doing this to that girl I like in kindergarten. I'm going to wait to see hers first. And then I quickly exited out in kindergarten. It freaked me out. It freaked me out. I didn't type in anything like that ever again, ever, ever again for the rest of your life. No, I believe it. I'll never forget that though. It was, it was like one of those old school websites. It was all it like how it, it like loaded from the top. Yeah. And it started going like that. And the I remember very vividly like the there was two boobs right here, right at the top. I wonder what boobs.com is nowadays. I didn't want to check that out. I'm gonna I'm Let's gonna do it live right now. Yeah, I'm gonna break that uh break that seal, that twenty year seal. Yeah, I remember that though, because are you saying that you didn't get AIM until fifth grade? Correct. Damn, you were way behind. 
I was talking to fucking strangers on the internet since yeah, I was attacked by first ninjas grade. and stuff. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I forgot to cover in that story the time. I guess I'll do it right here. I'll tell you the story. So. I'll recap you. So, David, you know that one podcast where I talked about getting robbed? I, yeah, you, yeah. You remember that one? Yeah. And course. then remember that one, how I also talked about um, the ninja, I mean, the, uh, the incident at Santa Monica? I completely forgot to talk about the t- <laughs> when I moved into this apartment and two separate Uber Eats drivers tried to rob my place. This? Yeah, have I told you this? No. Oh, this is going to be great. So the first day when I moved three floors above, the first time I got in yeah. this unit, this next day, the AT&T guy comes and he's installing the internet. I'm chatting it up with him uh, and talking, uh, just talking about regular stuff. And I ordered some Buffalo Wild Wings. And then... Classic. Yeah, 25 minutes later, I'm not even paying attention. I see he's here. I'm like, okay, perfect. And uh, I was just waiting for the knock, right? So I'm sitting there. I'm looking like out because the TV was against the windows at the time, mm-hmm. watching TV while the AT&T guys in the closet installing something. And all of a sudden, I hear a door. I'm like... I'm like, oh, I got... So the AT&T guy lefts, uh, yeah. leaves. And then I'm like looking at my phone like this. And then I turn around. It's the fucking Uber Eats guy. Didn't even knock. Did, huge. Right this guy had to be at least six, seven, six, eight. Scary looking dude. Like probably 260 pounds. Jeez. He could have ripped my head off. There was no knocking involved at all in this incident. And he, I turn around. And it freaked me out. He goes, for Scott? And I go, yeah. And then he hands me it. And then he walks out the door. And the AT&T guy's sitting there. And he's like, oh, wait, did you know that guy? I go, I've no. never seen this guy ever before. That's my Uber Eats driver. He goes, what the hell? Like, he's like, does this happen normally in this building? I'm like, no, this has never happened. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's so weird. So from that day forth, what I started doing was I would lock the door and say, leave it on my, um, leave on it on. Easy pad. Yeah, leave it on my Yeezy pad, which is on front of my door. And so one night I'm sitting on my couch. I'm by myself. I ordered a bunch. I think it was Buffalo Wild. No, no, it was later at night. So it was something else. And I'm sitting there and I look at my phone. It says, your driver's arrived because this is back before COVID when they could come up, drop it off at the door. So I'm just sitting there like this. And I look at the phone. It's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, something, my intuition just told me, you should see if the door is locked. So I go up. I, I check the door. And it wasn't locked. Oh, I forgot to say this. Bef- I thought you always locked the door. I do, but apparently this night I didn't. I'm like, oh, I'm oh. glad I checked this, so I locked it. And I forgot to mention something critical to this story. Before he got there, I always texted all my Uber Eats drivers this, hey, I'm not I'm not home right now. Please leave at the door so I can pick it up. Because that way they're not going to be like, oh, well, I need you to receive this. No, just yeah. leave at the door. I'll leave you a good tip if you do this. I always said that. I'm not home, so I can't. Because I didn't want them thinking like, oh, I'm too good for these people or anything. Dude, again, I'm not at home in quotation marks, but I'm on the couch. I'm waiting for the food. All of a sudden, I hear, and I'm like, what is that noise? And then I hear it again. <laughs> like, it's, I'm like, what? It wasn't knocking. So I it's go boring. up to the eye hole, dude. I go up to the eye hole, and I see this guy. He doesn't know from four inches away, looking around the thing, and he's ripping on my door. He's like trying to get this shit open. He's like trying to, he's looking around. This guy had to be on some drugs, dude, because he started going like this. He started ripping it open again. I'm watching this whole thing through my eye hole. I'm like, he has no idea I'm watching this. He even goes as far to look under my neighbor's newspaper. Uh, I remember, I thought that was funny. He like looked under my neighbor's newspaper. He looked around again and they tried it again. He tried to open it and then he just walked away. 
And then I reported it to Uber Eats and they didn't seem to be concerned at all. I'm like, if I, if, yeah, I'm like, so are you going to fire this guy or not? And they're like, we'll look uh, into it. Yeah, we'll look we'll into it. Case. It's like if going back, I should have called the police like right there and be like, this guy's like, if you ever call the police, you say you're about to kill somebody and they're going to come that quicker, dude. Instead of someone's about to kill me, you say I'm about to kill this person. That's when they send in squad cars after squad cars. They hear I'm about to kill this guy all the um they hear this guy's about to kill me all the time because of fear. Like in LA when that guy Oh dude, I didn't even talk about that LA story when that guy I don't think I did at least. Uh in that same podcast when the guy first day moving into LA, that guy was in our house and then I called the cops. I don't think you talked about that on the podcast. I did, and oh my god, I missed so many robbery stories. Twenty eight minute response time from the police <laughs> to get there traffic dude no it was it was late at night but if i would have said i got this motherfucker right here i'm about to put a bullet right through his brain there they probably would have been there in a couple minutes like let's be real because it's like i don't know that's just the way it, it seems to work now i've never experimented with that personally but <laughs> have you have have you ever been robbed by anything no you haven't had any robbery instances or are close not, to not that i can not nothing that jumps out I feel start. like that would jump out. It's like, oh yeah, the one time I was, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna start asking that question. To everyone who comes in now, everyone's got a good robbery story. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Deep. There's a possibility. There's a robbery story somewhere, but <laughs> maybe you. Were, I was doing the yeah. robbing. <laughs> David with his gun again. Yep. That'd be funny. It's to Missouri, s- man. We should start a course on how to make money. Like you know, like those spammy thumbnails. Like yep. this, I saw one a meme a while ago. It's like a. This is the bank hack that they do, that big banks don't want you to know. And there was some guy in a mask <laughs> and a gun <laughs> robbing a bank. Dude, I will say that is the most cost-effective way to get new inventory for your business. Yeah. If you're going to resell online, dude, ski mask, was it cost you, like 5 bucks? Gun, yep. you get a BB gun, like 100 bucks, something like that. That'll do fine. Cost of inventory Run up. completely free. Grab and go. Yep. Do you, ever, inventory. do you ever see yourself starting to make your own store like on Shopify? You're going to keep it all on these other platforms just to avoid that like 40% costs. So the pull for me is the traffic, right? The free organic traffic. Yeah. The now, amount of eyeballs that are on Amazon, that's like number one in America. And then eBay is also pretty high up there for organic traffic. Surprise people. It's pretty surprising if you say eBay's, still a viable yeah. e-commerce platform. People Definitely still go is. there. Yeah, there's a lot of drop shippers on eBay. Mm-hmm. A lot. And when I, that's what I started trying to do first. Yeah. I sold I was doing what I learned to be like a pretty against the policy drop shipping method of it's great. Amazon it's Prime. Great. Like the 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 issue was using your Amazon Prime members for uh, Prime membership for other people. I did one like I think it was like a, a milkshake maker. I made 5 bucks and I'm like this is dumb it's just like i gotta type in all this information too if they got to return it that's going to be an issue i did a couple um ebay drop ships is that how you started not how i started i just like i had learned about it um and so i think this was like end of last year so like november december and uh yeah i did a couple items not worth it not worth it in my opinion i didn't have any way to automate it where do you, what avenues do you see yourself going into? Like, are you going to, do you want to stay specifically in e-commerce or do you see yourself going into other, cause like, for example, you know, I'm going into stocks. I know that's pissing a very few amount of people off, but it's so funny to me how it's pissing people off that 
I'm doing stocks. What the fuck? It's like, um, do you see yourself branching out into any other avenues? Aside from e-commerce, I don't know. I just got this like, I'm like that kid where I have always been like selling something, like whether it be lemonade, the classic lemonade stand. I was doing muffins like at the lemonade stand. I was doing duct tape wallets, you know, just various different things. And that like merchant blood in me says that I'll probably be selling things online because the online aspect is you have everyone's you can sell to everybody yeah everybody that has internet like i said before the ocean i specifically want to get into um e-commerce fulfillment like have your own warehouse where you okay Um, because you can see the money in it for sure i see a lot of opportunity in what i want to pursue um and yeah, it's more, it's, it's on my like 10 year plan. Gotcha. It's like a very, it's kind of a foggy plan. I know what needs to have, I know exactly what it's going to look like when it's done though. Yeah. That is the key. And I like it because like I said at the beginning, you're like the perfect example of like proving that anybody, if they don't like their job can just go out and make their own in today's climate. I forgot where I was going with that, but Hey, you know, in high school, I I wish I had like a printout. I know Gary Vee has like the printout where it's like all bad grades. I was that kid. I had Same. D's, only D's yeah. except for in my computer class, A, and gym, A. D's only because in D, with D's, you could still get through. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. See, I was decent in high school. I had the 3.0. When I went to college, 2.0. I Yeah, I, I kind of switched it up. Honestly, college, I... The learning, I just, I'm a, I'm a student for life. Yeah. That's how I see it. I will always be learning with the intention of everything that I learn, I will use at some point in, in, in my life. I don't know when, I don't know how, but everything I learn, I will use at some point. If you could change one thing about the school system, what would you do? Specifically high school. Because I think colleges, I think that's going to be something that's going to gradually keep fading as it's fading right now, especially with COVID. And people seeing the just stupid fifty thousand a year for Harvard, for and it's online, no. no price adjustments at all. No. What What would you change about the high school system, or just the high the general- school system? Um, besides, like what everyone says, is like oh, more about taxes, how to write a check, all that. Besides so that, that I would I would definitely say that there needs to be a life skills focus like maybe even like a a four year you have to do it every single yeah. year because there's a lot of important stuff like like mindset i just got a new car recently i didn't know what i was doing you yeah. know i don't know anything sales tax you know you got to know some things when you get older and it would be nice to have learned it in high school the thing for me i think would be to change the start times oh to like later yes yeah, I, I couldn't even make it through my first hour classes. Like I would be sleeping. I think sure. I think the issue with that is the parents working nine to five. I understand that they're using school as a glorified baby or yeah. like a daycare because pe- parents right now I've been probing a lot of random people. If I meet like a person or a kid and they have if it's <laughs> a per, if it's an adult <laughs> and they have kids in school, I'm asking them how them. they're handling this because this is a very 
every every parent depends on the the school to take care of their kid, give them lunch from seven thirty or eight o'clock to two or three, whatever. Yeah. And now, in some cases, and it could happen. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. That might not be the case for the rest of the year. Wasn't over the summer. Yeah, it's gonna be really crazy to see. I think the two things they need to change most is mindset. No, there's no talk about mindset going through school. And then also, I think they, they should offer entrepreneurship classes in high school. I think they don't want that. The powers that be or whatever, they do not want kids in high school recognizing that there is a path, possibly more successful path than going to college because, you know, it's all part of the system. That's Because, like, um, Gary made me the shake when I went to his house. And it was like the it was so good. It was like a cookies and cream. It tasted just like a milkshake, even better than a milkshake. And then I looked at the nutritional facts of it, and it was like four grams of carbs, forty four grams of protein, and then I think like three hundred, two three hundred calories. No, two hundred calories actually. And I asked them that question. I'm like, why? Like, why is it that something that can taste just as good as something that is like fifteen hundred calories with no nutritional value? why isn't this the one that's being preferred or put in stores? And he goes, it's all part of the system. He's like, go into my fri- uh, go look up the back of a barbecue sauce thing right now. I'm like, okay. I looked it up, two tablespoons, 13 grams of sugar. And he's like, yeah, now look at this, zero grams of sugar. And it's, it's like, he goes, you gotta understand, everything's part of the system. People drink milkshakes and then do a lot of barbecue sauce, put a lot of sugar, sugar, sugar. So now they get sick. So now they go to the hospital. And then these doctors put them on these medications, uh, pharmaceuticals, pump them, pump them, pump them. But there's no talk of improving your health. Like I'm sure that's Joe Rogan's biggest thing about the COVID response. There's Fauci's not talking about anything about improving your health, taking vitamin C, avoiding sugar. God forbid he say avoiding sugar. Can you imagine it's if he said possible. that? Not even possible because the sugar companies scammed the world in the 50s when they convinced people that fat is what makes you fat. I don't know if you know anything about this. I don't know anything specifically, but I do have an awareness to the kind of marketing things that have happened like with milk, like the got milk. Yeah, exactly. The it's, sugar, I believe. I just believe it because it's so, you know, go to McDonald's and drink a sweet tea. Oh, There's dude. no tea in there. It's just sugar. All, I think it's like 89 grams of sugar in one of those like 32 ounce things. But it's all part of the system. And ever since he said that, I started recognizing that more. It's like, it's all part of the system. It's like, not to get on a touchy subject for anyone listening, but chemotherapy, dude, 3% success rate. Are you kidding me? And they're still prescribing that like no other. 3% success rate. Cancer's a bitch. That's all I got to say on that subject. Cancer is horrible. Like it's, it's a terrible way to, it's a terrible like ailment to get. What's even more horrible than that, I think, is Lupe said, truth be told, it's the pursuit of gold that turns the soul of men into trash. The pursuit of gold that turns men... Truth be told, it's the pursuit of gold that turns the soul of men into trash. Hmm. Because because yeah. they always say money's the root of all happiness. Uh, fucking dude, money's the root of all evil, not happiness. And so when these people way up there, the billionaires and even um, undercover trillionaires, when they devise the system, like George Soros, not to bring this up, this isn't even a conspiracy. This is what yeah. he said in an interview. You can look up the video. He goes, I cannot and will not look at the social economic 
um, destruction that my my hand causes in these certain climates. The only thing I'm concerned about uh, is money, and that's all I care about. And the truth be told, it's the pursuit of gold that turns the because these people up there know this. Like this shake, people could, could be getting milkshakes that taste just as good, but it's full of nutrition, full of protein. Like milk with Jocko's milk. I never heard of milk. It's pretty much exactly what you just described. It's a substitute for milkshake. It's like whey type uh, workout drink, but you can use it as um, a, a, a sweet dessert as well. Yeah. But it's really, really good for you. Yeah. And not addictive. And yeah. And that's where they get you the addictiveness. The sugar. Like everything's addictive. Social media is big because of addictiveness. Oh, Serotonin. Like they, they're able like, I don't know if you saw that big uh, 2020 where it was a former Google employee and he left because they were having him do certain things that literally scientific, like they had scientists and everything to make sure that their serotonin levels went off when this happened, when the like happened. And when yep. he when he refused to do it, he got fired and then he exposed them all and then they denied everything. But that's what the whole that's what most money comes from is addictiveness, addicted to money, addicted to drugs, addicted to pornography. Waiting for that one. Boobs.com. Boobs.com. Yeah, even, even at six, they got me. <laughs> even at six. He's been hooked ever since. No. I've been hooked ever since. I still go to boobs.com this day. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So I guess I had a I had a really good question to ask you. But you did you went to community college, right? Yes. And you you finished that, right? You have your degree and everything? Yeah. My degree. How's that going? I mean, I'm doing fine. My degree is still sitting in the envelope that they mailed it to me in. Yeah. So what's the number one thing you think you learned from all your college experience? Mm. Your biggest takeaway? Not necessarily uh, a takeaway on the college experience itself, just like takeaway for a life application. Mm. Wow, that's a big question. Um, I realized that it doesn't really like, you know, if I, if I compared myself to someone who went to like a four year college, there's a huge difference, right? The difference is the amount of money we both spent. If we're both doing the same thing, I see a huge like uh, benefit of going to school for the networking opportunity. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the educational, and I can't really even speak for a university experience. I've never been to a university. But I, I don't know. It's a lot of people just go to college for, for partying, to be quite or, honest. Or they go because their friends go. Exactly. And the, the most common thing I've ever heard is, well, I don't know exactly what I want to do. So figure I'm just going to go. Yeah, figure it as you go. It's like Gary... I bring up Gary Vee a lot, but he has some good quotes. He goes, it's not, you shouldn't ask yourself, should you go to college? The question should be, why should you go to college? And if you can't answer that, don't go. It's as simple as that. My biggest thing I learned from college is the majority of people, it's exactly what we're talking about, will do what their friends do. And the majority of people are very terrified to stand out. And I noticed that a lot when when I was going to Mizzou. That was my big thing. Like when I would go out to the bars, every time, every time I started drinking, I'm first of all, especially after I dropped out, I started getting panic attacks. Like I cannot be here right now. Like I could be working on social media marketing or this, like 
because to be there, I just started recognizing it's like everyone dresses the same. Everyone not not only dresses the same, everyone acts the same. And that's yes. what disturbed me the most. Everyone acts the same. Uh, when a girl's around, they start acting differently. I just saw, and another big thing I learned in college is like people, I think a lot of people who go to college specifically just to party, like you said, they're delaying the inevitable of entering the real world. Because, and that's unfortunately why a lot of people get hooked on alcohol as heavy as they do. It's because they party a lot in high school, getting this uneasy feeling about to enter the world. All right, I'll go to college. They and so they're partying in college. They're getting this uneasy feeling. Now they're getting out of college and they graduate, getting this uneasy feeling. I got a lot of student debt. I don't know what. I, okay, I'll take this job. They're going to this job every day that they really hate. Even if you know you don't have to really hate it, but that's you know it's a job where it's just good enough. They make just good enough money to where they can get the car that they can't afford, yeah. the house that they can't afford to impress the people they don't like. Yeah. Yes. But that's when they, unfortunately, that's when they'll get, they'll, they'll just keep on. Like, there's a lot of people who just keep on partying until their fifties or sixties to death because they never coped with it or accepted that fact that they they never, they never went through that transitional period in my eyes, at least of finding out who they are. They kind of just kind of numbed that feeling all the way through. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. In the book, um, <clears throat> what is it? Uh, Napoleon Hill, um, Outwitting the Devil. Oh, I got that right behind me. I, need to, I need to watch that. I Drifters. Is that what it is? Drifters. Do you People, read that whole book? Audiobook. Oh, okay. I didn't read it. I just listened to it on YouTube. But some people, I mean, you know, I, I don't care. You know, I'm doing my thing. I'll let people do their thing. I don't really care. Not to say like, oh, I don't care about you. I'm better than you. No. You do you. I can't. I can do what I can do. You can do what you can do. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like people in our positions kind of care more about that. What I learned running Facebook ads nationwide and having two Facebook ads go to millions of views, dude. And just like I was talking about those people, people got really upset with me for making a non-educational video. There's a lot of people who are in those jobs that they really don't like. And then they'll attack anybody who doesn't. So I got so many death threats. I got yep. so many people. And, and it was weird. A lot of most, mostly construction workers, like almost every time it was, it was a construction worker and he was just yelling at me saying how I don't contribute to this world and how it's not like, honest work, it's not honest work and all this. And I just know, I understand where it's coming from. I didn't understand it at first. I'm like, why are these old people just attacking me? Like this one guy said I should get cancer and die probably like couple hundred times like in the dms and that's when i stopped really responding to dms a lot um but yeah it's just a weird and that's why we need a lot more education on mindset because mindset you're just kind of left on your own luckily like we both have have looked into mindset and discovered our own mindset and learned about what minds what the how important the mindset is to getting what you actually want so important and it at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what is taught in school on this topic it's when you go home and their you know, those people's parents are in the same way and they're yeah. expressing that out and their kids hear that, you know, yeah. and then they start regurgitating the same thing. Yeah. And it's just a cycle. I found a really old tweet from of mine like a year and a half ago. And I go, if you want to do stocks, don't ask your parents who have only lost money doing stocks. Only listen and ask people who have made money doing stocks. It's that simple. Cause like when I started social media marketing, my parents said it was going to fail. 
And it's so funny. Some guy, some guy messaged me like a year ago and he's like, Scott, I don't know what to do. I didn't grow up in as a fortunate of, of environment as you who, and you, who had parents who supplied, dude, I go, what the fuck are you talking about right now? Like I remember cause the course was a thousand dollars and I asked like, do you think I could have a loan for 500 uh, for this course? And they said, no, cause it's a scam, whatever like that. Yeah. I'm not blaming them at all. I did it all on my own and now Good. I can take pure pride in that. Yep. It's just, um, the assumption thing is very um, destructive to a lot of people. They'll assume, like, uh, say, like, LeBron James is, well, I mean, LeBron James was born with a pretty good fucking gift, but most people in business or, like, these athletes, they just work. It all came down to work, and most people, they, they make an excuse in their head. Like, that guy, completely blind excuse to why he wasn't doing what I was doing completely blind. And I, and I, I've seen that a couple times. It's like, I think there's a Snapchat ad going on with some guy who was self-made and all these people saying the benefits of having rich parents and all that. Like when I drove my I eight, I got that a couple times. I went to this golf course and this, it's not the same, but this guy, he, there was two guys who was like, dude, nice fucking car. Holy shit. And then his buddy was, he's like, when'd you get it? And I'm like, yeah, I actually just bought it or something like that. And the guy, his buddy was like, yeah, just bought the car payments. And I go, no, I actually bought this all in cash. And then, then he was interested to know yeah, what I did because the assumption of, of, I'm trying to think of the, it's another word for excuse, but just placing an excuse right there to make them feel better about themselves because they truly wanted to go a different route. They wanted, yeah, they wanted it to pan out how they thought it was to where it's like you then be like, oh yeah, I did. And. But then you're like, nah, bitch, I fucking just bought this car. Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, oh, my God. Hey, hey, buddy, find a cart path. Remember that guy? This guy came up to us and yelled at us, and then we embarrassed him. when He, he thought it was cart pass only, but the rule changed. And then we had this talk after. It's like some people, they, you know, they get yelled at by their wives. They get yelled at their boss all day, and then they find a kid, and then now they find their one opportunity for authority yep and then they find some kids like us and they realize they they literally have no authority over you. and that's a big frustration with the older generation because it was always the elders held all the knowledge the elders were the wisdom and now it's kind of reversing where the all kids the who phone. grew up with the internet and now they're these old people feel completely out of the loop super confused this is all new to them while with us it's effortless so Control. nothing against older people i'm just saying it's like it's a frustrating thing when their entire life they saw and respected. I mean, obviously we respect the, our elders, but I'm saying they always saw their the elders as the ones with all the answers. Now in today's world, it kind of is a reverse where the elders are asking the young kids like. And it's it's pretty cool because we have very similar like come ups to where like my parents were not ex you know well off to where like, oh yeah, here, you can do this now. My parents were not extremely supportive of what I was doing. Yeah. There's very, you know, it, you have to be, oh man, Russ just had, has a new song where he said, you have to be the only one, essentially, this is a butchering the words, you have to keep your eye on your prize and you cannot worry about anyone else, what they say, because if you know that you can get it and you have the ability to motivate yourself still, even though people are telling you, oh, no, you probably can't. Yeah, you should probably find a job, you know, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Finding books. Right. Finding books. <laughs> I'll say this right now. If you let your parents or someone in your life I would stop, hate my life. stop you from your dream, 
You don't deserve it. No. You don't deserve it. You don't want it bad enough. That's what it is. Like, And, yeah, I can say that, and people will be like, well, I do want it bad enough. What show is stopping work. you? Yeah, show me the work. If what you is want stopping it you? It, if you really want it, and if you're actually really capable of getting it, you will figure it out. And that, you know, that should not deter anyone. That should make people try harder. Yeah. The that, barrier is to be jumped. That reminds me, of, I, I, I don't know if you saw it, but I posted a song for like a couple hours and I deleted it because I didn't like the vibe of it. But the line I put in it was, it's a little harsh, but it's true. Your dreams are better off with someone who really deserves it. Someone putting in the hour, someone really working. You can see your dreams disappearing while you're lurking, alone with your thoughts asking, was it really worth it? It's, it's powerful. It's, that's the thing for me too. I could not live with the regret of when I stood at the fork in the road that said yeah. job or e-commerce. Yep. When I stood at that fork in the road, I could not stomach the regret that I would have not doing the e-commerce and going into the job. Yeah, or at least not even trying. A exactly. That's what Dane, I was watching a Dana Watt interview and he said that he was a bellman. And on the fourth day, he quit. He's like, what these people don't understand is like, I can always go back and be a bellman. Exactly. But I can't always go back in my life and then try to do it. It just doesn't work. And he started with $0 and he sold it for $7 billion or something like that. What do you think of Bitcoin? I'm, so I've actually been, um, I mean, I'm not like a Bitcoin crypto dude per se. I'm, um, I've been into Bitcoin for a very long time. I used to mine a lot of the altcoins, so like Litecoin, there's Feathercoin at the time. There was a bunch of different stuff. Whenever the difficulty was way lower, yeah, if you know what I'm you talking about. You could do it about, on a laptop. I did not. I like was setting up, like I was buying graphics cards and making milk crate. That's awesome. Miners, like I was mining that. What shit. was the most Litecoin? Like how many Litecoin were you getting? Um, I think I could mine like one per week. Okay. At that point. And I, this is like my biggest failure, I think, in the crypto space and extremely detrimental to potential money. But I sold all my Bitcoin. I had like 0.1 of a Bitcoin. <laughs> I sold all of it for the going rate of $400. Wow. <laughs> I got an even crazier story. So I asked my mentor a couple of days ago about Bitcoin. He's like, yeah, man, I'm um, not going to lie. I bought um, tens of thousands of Bitcoin when it was at about 80 cents. And then he said when it, eBay started accepting it, like way back in the day, he bought like some auto parts. He bought uh, $400 worth of auto parts, which he's like in today's equivalents, I think it was like $4 million worth of auto parts. But here's the upsetting part. He said that he had like, I think 20,000 Bitcoin in a wallet, but it wasn't like Coinbase back then. That was back when it was like coded and like, yes. I don't, he didn't even really know because this is it's just on a computer is how it is yeah, like on your computer. Exactly. So this is like 2000, like, I don't even know. Nine, 10, yeah, 11, yeah. Around there. there probably. And he said he, he like kept buying into it. And then this is when it was like $20 and then it rose to a hundred. And then the big fall happened when it hit a hundred, it went back to 20. And he, was, he said he was so frustrated with it and he was focused on stocks and his real estate company at the time. He just like poo-pooed it away. To this day, he still owns those Bitcoin. Yeah. 
has no idea how to access it, yeah, doesn't know, lost, dude. Yes. And it's a, I think he said it's around 100 to $150 million worth of Bitcoin that he technically still owns somewhere. <laughs> it's lost. That's the thing. It's, yeah. it's wherever his computer was, wherever his hard drive is, if it's still in one piece, that's where it is. Yeah. More than likely, his Bitcoin are buried. Buried. They said 3 million Bitcoin have already been buried. And there's only 21 yeah. million. The government's got a good handful too, because when they do seizures of like darknet stuff, right. that's all Bitcoin transaction. They yeah, see, I want to look into that, that conspiracy because not a conspiracy. It's fact. When they seize, they'll, uh, they have um, cold storage. Yeah, which is like essentially a flash drive or some sort of a device that you has your code, and then you put your Bitcoin on said cold storage, and it's there. I specifically know someone that. They had one of these devices and they had lost, someone had taken it. Oh my There's a lot of Bitcoin on it and gone. I heard in a lot of the police evidence rooms, there's some just, some hard drives that are just disappearing. It's like a weird, right now we're getting kind of towards the end of the Wild West era, I would say. Yeah. But during like the pure Wild West of it, yeah, if an agent knew what it was and they could just, like, take it, the government's like, man, I don't care about yeah. some Bitcoin. Now they're probably like, yeah, I wish we had that somewhere. Oh, yeah. Whenever I take a loss on, like, a, say, like, a trade or just anything, take an L in anything where I got to, like, fork a lesson, over money. A lesson. I get the lesson, but what always makes me feel better is I Google, like, worse lessons that other people have learned. <laughs> I found this one. This guy got fucking sim-swapped. They get, you know what sim swap is, right? I assume I know what it is, but what? You can, you can only really do it on like Verizon, I think. But they call Verizon pretending to be you. Oh, they have okay. your info, and then they they're like, okay, we'll send you a new sim card or whatever. I put the new sim on your phone. I don't know how iPhones work now. I'm yep. sure it's not doing with iPhones. But then they got that info because they got the info. They can reset all your passwords now with the password reset code being sent to their phone. Yep. Some guy got taken for twenty. Four million dollars in Bitcoin, because my boy Jay Rich that happened to him. I think he had like three Bitcoin, and someone sim swapped him. Damn. He even messaged me and ended up being that guy because that guy was trying to sim swap other people. He's like, "Hey, bro, can you send me your number?" I sent the guy my number. He did not sim swap me because I got AT and T. Shout out AT and T. And that's at whatever the dollar amount you said. That's or whatever you know. That's at that current going rate. I am. <laughs> I'm holding Bitcoin currently. Yeah, Bitcoin. Yes. Nice. I do have Bitcoin, and I'm holding it. Same. I accidentally have Bitcoin. You want to hear this funny story? Yeah. I tried Forex trading on the algorithm, and you got to buy Bitcoin to transfer it into the account. I let the algorithm go for three months. Eventually, I was down like 15%. I'm like, all right, that's my threshold. This was three weeks ago. That's my threshold. I put it back into my investment account, and then I tried to take it out into my Coinbase, and this guy called me. He goes, Scott, it was like an, like it was so it was such a cringy sales pitch. Scott, now what would I, what would you say if I told you that to keep that money in your account, we would give you an extra 10%? Yeah. And I go, do you have it or do you not have it is what you're saying. Wait, what? Do they have, do they have your Bitcoin or not? No, no. This is when it was still in the account. So that was the mo- monetary value. I know. Maybe, oh, I see. I'm saying. saying they didn't maybe have all that Bitcoin at the time. No, they didn't They're have like, all that money. Keep it there. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Cause they're obviously hurting. He's like, yeah. No, no, Scott, you don't understand. 
you don't even have to trade with this money. All you got to do is keep it in there for two more weeks and you, and you get it. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And he goes, well, well, Scott, when was the last time an investment firm offered you money like this? Or no, he said, when was the last time someone just gave you money? And I go, I don't know, today? <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, well, okay. It's like, and then he tried to sell me. I'm like, no. So I pulled the money out. I think it was, it got down to like, I think 8,300. So I was 17% down. And I transferred it into my Coinbase. And instead, I was about to transfer it into my account. I'm like, you know, I don't really need it. I'll just keep it in there. Uh, just in case I need to like buy something with Bitcoin. Never know. Yeah. <laughs> Three days later is when Bitcoin went up 10%. <laughs> now it's up 20%. I'm, I have more money than I started with simply because I left it in Bitcoin. So I'm the same way. I'm just going to hold it. Yeah. Why not? Crypto yeah. world. I don't. I the happening is real. That's now, all I got to say. It's really hard for me to determine if Bitcoin will become the world's currency. I don't know about that kind I of stuff. It's very, it's very hard because. The, A variation of it could be. Yeah. Not Bitcoin as Bitcoin. Yeah. That will not happen. I don't think. It's like the governments would basically have to be like, and all the big banks and all the lobbies yeah. be like, you're right, guys. This is a much better uh, system. Let's just go with this. Fuck the billions and trillions in profits of the central banking system. Chase. JP Morgan's are making one. JP, JP yeah, I heard yeah. about that. And that's so funny because JP Morgan was a massive criticizer yep. from it from the beginning. He said it was the oh, yeah. stupidest thing and everybody's going to lose their money. And all of a sudden they're making one. Dogecoin, the owner of Dogecoin said, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. I made this as a joke. And now the IPO is more than like, it's like Coca-Cola or something. No, not Coca-Cola. I think Dogecoin is like 500 million for IPO. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just making up facts now. I got an interesting story about Dogecoin, but I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. So Okay. Well, actually back. we're about to, pause. we're an hour and a half in. So we might just want to wrap it up here. Can you believe it's been an hour and a half? No. Tell you, it, it flies by for sure. I'll, we can keep going if you want. I don't care. Uh, well, I think, I think you need to go to the bathroom is a good sign. We should end it. Hour and a half. We don't want to turn this into an Elon Musk type <laughs> or like a Post Malone four and a half hour yeah. um, podcast. But yeah, is there, what do you want to promote? This is so like, I actually had this idea on the way over here. If you're a reseller... DM me on Instagram at MonetaryOcean if you're a reseller. Um, I have a I had an idea into su supporting the USPS, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna elaborate on that more once I get some stuff together. I wanna essentially through some way create like a, a nonprofit. Like I'm not making profit, but where I can sell stuff in support of the USPS, and then use that money to then buy their most profitable products to support the USPS instead of giving them money. Cause I don't know where that money would go. Oh, I see. If I can just boom, buy a billion stamps. Yeah. And then give Game away this. I don't care what happens with the stamps, but like I can't wait support. To, I can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah. So that's a thing. Um, yeah, check me out on Instagram yeah, at MonetaryOcean. What if they're not a reseller? They if they're not DM a reseller, you. go fuck off. <laughs> Just joking. Because um, there's a lot of people watching right now who are probably on their way to work or in, watching or in their yeah. work right now just being like, I hate this job. I want to find a way out. Look so, up reselling online. It's, uh, it's, it's easier than you'd think. The cost or the barrier to entry, especially on eBay specifically. You can learn if you even want to do this with eBay because you just find stuff in your house, 
list it and sell it. If you say, hey, this is, you know, it's pretty interesting, then use that money you just got, buy something, yep. just try to keep doing research and that kind of stuff, and um, see if you like it. Reselling yeah. isn't for everyone, but it's definitely for me. And YouTube, Monetary Ocean too? Yes, Monetary Ocean on YouTube, website also, monetary.com, monetaryocean.com. So. I just had a good idea when you said that you should do a video where you start with one item yep. and you just keep trading that up. Until That's in the works, actually. Yeah. I have a, a very interesting idea in relation to that. Yes. I'll be watching for yes. sure. All right, thanks for joining me. Thank you. In Clayton, Missouri. This is the end of the... The Simplified Podcast. I always forget to not say the. 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 But yeah, thanks for watching, everybody. Thank you. Peace.